All right, uh, we have a kids' class at this time, and kids, you're more than welcome to make your way to that if you would like. It just meets in the back of this larger room here. And if you are unaware, we offer a nursery every Sunday as well. Uh, parents, you're more than welcome to make use of that. It just meets in the corner uh, room right over here, and uh, feel free to use it if you'd like to. And uh, kids, you're always welcome in here as well. Well, why don't we turn to the Gospel of Mark together, chapter 4. And we'll consider verses 1, and tw- 1 to 20 in our time together this morning. Mark 4, 1 to 20. Uh, in Mark thus far, we have seen an array of responses to Jesus and his message uh, that frankly were as striking then as they are today. Some people embrace the gospel right away and follow Jesus. You may remember the account of Levi, and he's sitting there at his tax booth, and Jesus says to him, basically, Levi, follow me. And right away, he gets up, he repents, he leaves his whole life, his whole world behind, and he goes and follows Jesus. Some people seek Jesus, follow Jesus, they like Jesus, they benefit from Jesus, but they never understand Jesus, and ultimately, they don't stick with Jesus and we see that uh, again and again and again in the crowd with the crowds in the Gospel of Mark. They just love him. They're clamoring for more and more of Jesus, but as soon as the t- going gets tough, they are gone. Others consider Jesus crazy. It's like they see, but they don't believe. And yet, somehow, some way, God plants the seed of the Gospel in their hearts, and then years later, it's like that Gospel seed germinates, and they believe as was the case with Jesus' own brothers. Others look like they've embraced the gospel. We would have every reason to think, well, that person, surely that person's a Christian. And they look like they're following Jesus. Uh, They look like they're a Christian, but, but they have not. They are not. I mean, think about Judas Iscariot. And others harden themselves against Jesus. They flat out reject Jesus and his message. It's obvious. It's clear. Uh, they see so much light, and yet they choose darkness. No, I don't want Jesus. And we've seen that again and again with the religious establishment in the last couple chapters of Mark. The scribes, the Pharisees, I mean, they're just constantly there. They've seen the truth, but no. And they're, they're really out to get Jesus. Responses. To the good news of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, vary. And we might ask, well, what accounts for that in Mark and in our world today? And Mark 4 offers some explanation. And it really comes down to this. It hinges on how people, we might say, hear Jesus. You can hear Jesus, but not really hear Jesus. You can listen to Jesus, but not really understand Jesus. And that will be the case for many, many people. But some people will truly hear the good news and they will believe. We're going to consider four or three lessons about truly hearing Jesus as we work through this text. Here's lesson number one. Truly hearing Jesus requires careful listening. Let's start by reading all the way through verses 1 to 9. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. 
Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil, and it produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold. And a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, From a boat, Jesus teaches a large crowd on the shore. And verse 2 tells us that he was teaching them many things in parables. Uh, The meaning of a parable often lies somewhere beneath the surface, it may not be readily uh, apparent, it may not always be apparent or obvious. And that's the case here. I mean, Many of you have read this parable. You kind of have an idea of what it means, but let's imagine this is the first time you've ever heard it. How is the crowd supposed to understand what Jesus just said? Because Jesus did not explain what the parable meant. He doesn't even go there. He doesn't make any of the connections. He doesn't draw any of the lines from what he just said to reality. He he does not offer the or any interpretive keys. And so we ask, well, what does the seed do? And what do the soils represent? They go, well, I know what they represent. Well, how would you know based on what we just read? Jesus doesn't say. What Jesus does, he actually veils the meaning of the parable and then summons everyone to listen. And he sandwiches this parable with the language of hearing. In verse 3, he starts off before he ever gets into this little account. He says to everyone, listen. And then after he shares the parable in verse 9, he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus is implying with that language that some will grasp what he is saying and others will not. In other words, listen carefully because you could miss, you could completely and totally miss what Jesus is saying. Not just in this parable, but every time that he speaks. You can, it's possible to to hear. I mean, you're hearing Jesus share all of his teachings, all the parables, all the stories, and you can hear, but not really hear. You can listen, but not get it. So listen carefully, because you could miss what Jesus is saying. And part of seeing the truth is actually wanting to see the truth. If you show up without open ears and an open heart, you're going to miss it, Jesus says. Think about how much you missed in school and it was like your fault. I mean, maybe you weren't one of those kids, but for myself, I can remember sitting in the back, goofing off with all my friends. I can remember you know, our pockets full of candy and we're just there in the back row just having a great time. I mean, we're hearing, but we're not hearing. I can remember having little regard for certain teachers, teachers I didn't like, or you know that teacher that was just probably super smart, but equally as boring. Uh, I just just don't want to be here. Like, this is just torture. Um, Not caring about the subject matter. You know, I don't know. It's not important. You know the old saying, we're never going to use this. This does not matter. Or being in classes for the wrong reasons. Um, Once you get up into high school and maybe you have some electives, you just take a class because your friend took it or your girlfriend took it or your boyfriend was going to be in there. Yeah, great reason. (laughs) You You could be hearing it all, but not really hearing because you're not there to hear. Listen carefully. You could miss what Jesus is saying. 
And on the flip side of that, there's this whole idea of listen carefully. Do you know what could happen? You could get it. You could get what Jesus is saying. It's possible to understand and grasp what Jesus is saying about himself and about the good news of the kingdom of God. But you must show up with ears that are ready to hear. uh, And you want to have a heart that says something like this to Jesus. Jesus, I am listening. I am. Help me to hear what you're saying, to understand who you are and to grasp how to enter the kingdom of God. Help me to understand what, what it is that you're all about. I'm listening. It wasn't until partway through my first year of university that I realized, what am I doing? I'm spending all this time in school and now I'm personally like, I'm paying for it. I'm funding all this education myself, but not getting much out of it because I'm not putting much into it. And I made some big changes. I moved from the back row with all my friends to the front row and thought, I I need to eliminate all the distractions. And I started working hard and I started putting effort in. I started actively trying to, to listen and grasp what was being said and understand. And I started learning. And the more that that took place, the more that I learned, the more that I liked it, the more of a hunger there was for that, the more I wanted to learn. And that's exactly how it goes here. Listen, Jesus says. Listen, listen, listen. You could completely miss it or you could get it. True hearing requires careful listening and some people will do that very thing. Some people will truly hear the good news of the gospel and of the kingdom and they will believe. The crowd walked away with little, if any, understanding of the parable. It's almost like uh, seeds were planted in the soil of their hearts, but we ask, but to what effect as they walked away that day? And I guess only time would tell. In the next scene, we learn a second lesson about truly hearing Jesus. Truly hearing Jesus requires God's help. Jesus' closest followers, including the 12, questioned Jesus afterwards at some later time. And it seems that their questions go something like this. Perhaps two major questions. The first one being something like this. Jesus, why do you teach in parables? What's their purpose? Why speak to everyone in code like that? Why not just say it? Why do you teach in parables? And along with that, what does this parable mean? What What was that parable really about? We don't fully understand. Well, look at verses 10 to 12. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Uh, Jesus uses parables because of their double effect. Uh, It's said that the same sun which melts wax hardens clay. And here it's kind of like that. Here, the same parable that reveals truth to some and unveils truth to some simultaneously conceals it from others. And it all comes down to if a person will hear. That's the crux. So here's how it works based on verses 10 to 12. 
God responds to some listeners by revealing truth and revealing more and more and more and more truth. In verse 11, Jesus said to his closest followers who apparently did have ears to hear, that to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Whatever that is, it's a gift. It's given. It's a gift. It's also an open secret. And the key to understanding the parables in Jesus' teaching, if people have the secret to the kingdom of God, well, then they can understand what Jesus is saying. So what is this open secret that's being referred to in these verses? Well, it's that Jesus Christ is the king of the kingdom. Jesus Christ is Lord, and the kingdom is here in Jesus Christ. And you enter the kingdom through faith in him. That's this secret of the kingdom. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's king of the kingdom now. This is an open secret. But some people will have ears to hear that and other people will not. God responds to listeners who have ears to hear by revealing more and more truth to them. And one of the ways that he does that, according to these verses, is through parables. Because by using parables, people who get it will get it and people who don't won't. People who understand that Jesus is Lord, they'll be able to to hear truth through these, these parables. And those who, I don't know about that, they're just, the truth just continues to be concealed. With the key, the teachings of Jesus can be understood. But on the flip side, God responds to other listeners by concealing truth. For those outside the kingdom of God who don't have ears to hear the words of Jesus in the gospel, we might say remain to them a perpetual enigma. It's like everything Jesus says is a big enigma. Look at verses 11 and 12 again. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. The parables aren't just in parables. Everything is in parables to them. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. For those who don't have ears to hear, everything that Jesus says, not just the parables, is veiled. It's concealed. It remains a bit of an enigma. Jesus quotes from uh, the prophet Isaiah in verse 12, perhaps giving the impression that he doesn't want people to hear, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Isn't that kind of how you read it, you know, first reading through that text? But that's not the case. Jesus is using irony. If people would listen with ears to hear, do you know what would happen? They would turn and they would be forgiven. And so what does Jesus say to everybody when he shares this parable? He starts off by saying, please listen. Listen. Because if people will have ears to hear Jesus, what will happen? They will turn and they will be forgiven. In times of war, people send encoded messages to each other that must be decoded to be understood. Uh, During World War II, for example, a very famous device was used to uh, encode and then decode messages. It was called the Enigma machine. Awesome name. Whatever message the machine produced would remain an enigma to the person who intercepted it unless that person had the code needed to decipher the message. 
Even if you intercept a message. Okay, that's great. We intercepted a message. But it's no good to you unless you can decode it. And the key to understanding Jesus and his teachings is believing that Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And it is God who helps people understand that. We saw in verse 11, these words, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. That understanding is a gift from God himself. And as a person trusts in Christ, uh, understanding his words and what he says, it, it continues to be a gift. It is God who helps people understand the light that he gives. True hearing requires God's help And some people will get that help. Some people will truly hear the good news of the kingdom and they will believe. And Jesus will then illumine them to more and more and more and more truth. One person said, the longer you walk with Jesus, the better it gets. And the longer you ignore him, the harder it is to ever pay attention to him. And that's the heart of what Jesus is saying here. Third and final lesson about truly hearing Jesus. We'll spend some time here. Truly hearing Jesus requires a receptive heart. And in many ways, Jesus is just kind of saying the same thing in different ways, but getting at the same thing each time. Truly hearing requires a receptive heart. That is what this parable of the soils is all about. Failure is never the fault of the gospel, but the fault of the heart that does not receive it. Truly hearing Jesus requires a heart that will receive what he has to say. Ears that are willing to hear. Look at verses 13 and 14. And he said to them, this is his uh, 12, the 12 apostles and a, a smaller group of disciples who seem to be true followers of Jesus. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables The sower sows the word. Jesus offers a key piece of information. The seed is the word. And also as he gets into this parable, he explains understanding this parable really becomes very much key to understanding the other ones that are going to come. This parable is really important. And all of a sudden, he just gave his followers more light. What is the seed? It's the word of God. Matthew calls it the word of the kingdom. Luke calls it the word of God. In short, what is the seed? Well, we might say the seed is the gospel. It's the good news about Jesus that he is the king of the kingdom. And he is the way uh, into the kingdom itself. So in short, the seed is the gospel. And we ask this question, well, how will people receive that seed? How will they hear that message? What responses to the king and his kingdom can you expect from people? Because as we started off here, I mean, you just see so many different kinds of responses from people to this message, to this seed. How will they hear the word of God, the gospel? And Jesus explains that people's hearts will be like the following four types of soil. By the way, I think this is is really interesting. Jesus is sharing this with people that are already his followers who are going to go out and and share the same seed, the same gospel that he was sharing. And he wants his disciples to know, here's what you can expect. People's hearts will be like the following four types of soil. Here's the first kind of soils. The soil of some hearts is indifferent and hard. 
Look back up at verse 4. And as he sowed, or backing up, I guess back up into verse 3, listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Okay, we just observe here that the farmer throws seed everywhere. Some seed seeds land on the surface of a hardened, well-worn footpath where they sit right on top of, of the ground, and then the birds just come and devour all those seeds. Okay, we'll look down at verses 14 and 15 because Jesus is going to explain it. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, okay, that's the language of hearing being used again and again and again. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. All right, what Jesus is explaining is that Jesus is like a farmer. And he is just throwing gospel seed everywhere, liberally throwing it everywhere. And sometimes those seeds, the seed of the gospel, hit the hard soil of people's hearts and they never penetrate it. They, they never even sink down in. I mean, the soil is just hard. The seeds just sit right on top. And those se- seeds end up being devoured by Satan himself. Jesus tells us about a bird and we might call him Satan. And every time that the Bible is opened, every time that the Bible is preached, every time it's declared, every time it's read, every time it's heard, Satan comes swooping in like a bird to devour the seed that has fallen on hard and indifferent hearts. Satan hates the word of God. He hates when it is opened. And every time that it is, that it is opened, it is spiritual war. The soil of some hearts is indifferent and hard. The soil of some hearts will be indifferent and hard. Just like the hearts of the scribes and Pharisees. Isn't that them in the last two chapters, what we've seen? They're just not having it. There's a second kind of soil. The soil of some hearts is shallow and superficial. Look at verses 5 and 6. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Okay, so here's the picture with this one. Uh, More than likely, the soil looks great. It probably looks really good. But the problem is that the topsoil is, is quite thin. Uh, and perhaps you have a limestone or bedrock just beneath the surface. Looks good on top, hard underneath. And because the seed ends up falling just below the surface, it sprouts up out of the soil almost immediately. I mean, if you've ever gardened, sometimes you plant your, so- your seeds just below the surface of the soil, and other times you, you put them down there. You know, you plant a potato, you drop the thing in there six inches to a foot. You, you plant some other thing, and you just barely put it in the soil. Well, the seed here, it's like the kind that just, it's just barely in there. And so it sprouts up almost immediately, um, and then the sun comes up and just nukes it because there's no root system, there's no water, it's done. Okay, what does it mean? Well, look at verses 16 and 17. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. 
Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. They disappear just as quickly as they shot up. Some people are so excited about Jesus. I mean, they're just so, so excited about Jesus. Jesus is great. I love Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. Wow. Jesus is awesome. Some people are so excited about Jesus, just like the crowds in Mark. I mean, they are like all in. They are there. They are swarming. They are crowding around Jesus. They're overjoyed. But as soon as the going gets tough, we'll see this later in Mark, they are going to be gone. It's like they're there and then they're not. They never actually understood Jesus. They never actually believed. They liked Jesus for all the wrong reasons. They liked what he appeared to be offering them, and indeed he was offering them something, or they were receiving something from him. But all they had was an external, external superficial connection to Jesus. And some people would be like that. Some people make a hasty enthusiastic, shallow profession that over time does not prove genuine. The soil of some hearts is shallow and superficial, just like what we have seen with the crowds. Okay, there's a third type of soil, though. The soil of some hearts is distracted and divided. Look at verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. All right, so what happens here? Well, Presumably the dirt's all turned over, the ground's ready to go. And as this farmer throws out the seeds, grain seeds or whatever, uh, they fall into the soil, but right there in that soil too are, are, are a bunch of thorn seeds. And both end up growing up together. But as no surprise to anyone, as happens in gardening or farming or anything, the thorns overpower and overtake. And we're given the explanation in verses 18 and 19. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Jesus just told us about three thorn plants or three thorn seeds in people's hearts that overpower, over, overtake, strangle, and choke out the gospel so that it, it's never actually received. People are hearing, but not really hearing. What are those three seeds or those three thorns? Well, the first one that Jesus mentions is the cares of the world. What's that? Well, you know, it's just all the stuff that it takes to do life. Work, school, family, sports, the dentist, the yard, the doctor's appointment. And people get so, so busy with the stuff of life and they're running and running and running and running and running on this hamster wheel and they're busy, 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 busy. There's always something going on. There's so much going on. All the cares of life. And they're just too busy for the gospel. The cares of the world. And then he mentions the deceitfulness of riches. What a thought here, that riches would actually lie to people. And people end up chasing them, and they pursue them, and they hope in them, and that becomes their life. I need that promotion at work, or if this can happen, and again, it's just busy, and it's a, it's, it's, it's a one-track mind. I'm going after this. And wealth becomes the focus. 
Riches lie to people. And then what's mentioned is the desires for other things. Some people, they just don't want it. They just don't want the gospel. They would rather have other things. I don't know that I really want Jesus to lay claim and be Lord of my life. And that's how Jesus describes the soil of some hearts as being distracted and divided. Just an interesting observation. In all three of these first three soils, we've seen a progression in what happens with the seed. And it's amazing that these seeds, in this third instance, they made it past Satan, so to speak. They made it past persecution. And what happened? They were choked and swallowed by the stuff of life. Isn't that amazing? Past Satan, past persecution, the stuff of life. The world itself. That is so, so often the case. People are just too busy, so much going on, distracted by all these other things. A few thoughts here. Jesus, the quintessential farmer, experienced these three, three responses. We shouldn't be surprised when we do too. And I would just remind you here that failure is never the fault of the seed. Failure is never the fault of the gospel, but the fault of the heart that does not receive it. And that, that ought to, to give us our bearings a little bit as we go out with the good news of the gospel. I also want to ask each of you, well, what about you? Have you received the word of God? Or as you read and listen to these first three types of soil described as one of those three soils, like, that's you. Have you truly received the word of God or have you been like one of these three types of soils? No, Jesus, I'm not interested. I love Jesus. But I'm here and then I'm gone tomorrow. Or no, I'm, I, I just, I'd rather have something else instead. Have you been one of, like one of these three kinds of soils? The first seed never started. The second seed started but died. The third survived, but it never produced fruit. When a heart truly receives the seed of the gospel, it does not merely survive. And that's one of the points that Jesus is making here. When when a heart truly receives the seed of the gospel, it does not merely survive. What does it do? It produces grain. Uh, If you're a farmer, what good is it if you throw all your seed out there and you've got all these plants, but you have no harvest? You've got nothing. The first three soils all represent failure to hear and believe the gospel. These are people who, just to be really clear, were never saved. They they were never true followers of Jesus. And again, I want to ask you, what about you? It doesn't matter if you've got some Christian things in your life and it maybe looks like there's some life in that. You, you can have a, a lot of those things and there not be any signs of true life, no signs of real harvest or fruit. Another observation here, in this story, the sowing is extravagant and almost wasteful. Three quarters of the farmer's labor is lost. Any farmer that consistently lost the three quarters of his hoped-for crop would be discouraged, right? It's like, I planted four fields. And I harvested one. (laughs) That farmer's going to be out of business really fast. Um, A farmer like that would be discouraged. And perhaps that's how you feel when you read this parable. 
wow, I mean, it's like all these terrible responses, soil that's just not taking the seed. But consider this. This parable does not focus on the waste of the seed. I mean, the, the seed's just being thrown everywhere, and the, but the parable doesn't focus on the waste of the seed, but on the power of the seed. And the incredible result, results of the good soil, which we'll look at next. Fourth kind of soil. The soil of some hearts is receptive and fruitful. Look at verse 8. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Some seeds fall into the soil and they produce a, a real, authentic harvest. And the fruitfulness of some of the seeds is almost unfathomable, a hundredfold. I mean, this is before the times of modern farming when we do all kinds of weird things to our plants. And this is just all natural. This is purely organic, the illustration that Jesus is talking about. One hundredfold. This is no ordinary harvest. And Jesus is explaining that some people will hear the gospel and it will be just like that. Look at verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. The gospel, the seed, is powerful. And you and I never know whose heart is going to receive it and then be forever changed. True hearing requires a receptive heart. And Jesus is telling his disciples, you know what? Some people are going to have that. I'm throwing the seed out now. You're going to be throwing it out. And here's what you can expect. Some people are going to receive it. True hearing requires a receptive heart. And some people will have that. Some people will truly hear the good news and they will believe. Okay, so looking at these different types of soil in this parable. Let's think about a few applications here. One would be to scatter the seed of the gospel liberally like Jesus. Have you ever wondered why the farmer keeps throwing the seed in so many awful, terrible places in the story? Oh yeah, like a path. Why not? Plant it on the road. I know it's like all rocks, but you never know. And off over to the, uh, that background didn't really do anything last year, but I'm going to throw it over there anyway. Just all over the place. And it's a reminder that you never know what's going to happen. And our responsibility is to just keep sowing the seed. Our responsibility is not to produce the results. We just sow the seed. And see what happens. So we just keep sowing. Keep faithfully scattering the seed. And there will be many people who do not receive it. Jesus tells us that. Many, many people, they won't receive the seed. But some will. And when they do, it will be amazing. And, and you and I have no idea who those people are. You have no idea where they're at, so to speak. If they're over there in the midst of the rocky soil or where the good soil is at, I don't know. We just throw it everywhere. So scatter the seed of the gospel liberally like Jesus. Also, remember that the power is in the seed itself, not you. I think for every one of us, we have to grapple with this reality. We have to recognize that, that your inability to produce Anything in the kingdom. You have to wrestle with that. I cannot produce anything. Just like a farmer cannot produce a crop. 
He can be involved in the process, but he is not the one that produces that. Recognize your inability to produce anything in the kingdom. God must do something in people's hearts. God must do that. You and I cannot manufacture that. And I think churches talk like they can all the time. Well, we'll just do this and we'll do that and it'll be amazing and everybody will come. Wow, look at what we can do. And Jesus says, no, it's not like that. You be faithful, you scatter the seed, you share the gospel, and if anything is going to happen, it will be something that I did. You, can't, you and I cannot manufacture the harvest. And do you know what that ought to cause us to do? It ought to cause us to pray and ask God that he would do what we cannot do. God, we're just going to be faithful. We're going to throw the seed here. We're going to throw it there. And we're going to try to be really, really faithful in that. But we know that we can't produce it. And so we cry out to you and we say to you, God, would you save people? You know, back there in, in verse 11, God is giving people the secret of the kingdom of God. God, would you, would you do that for people? And thank you for allowing us to play a part. The gospel is the power of God. And much like a seed, it, it can push up through the soil. I mean, if someone gets buried alive, think about this concept. Because that's what happens with seeds. They get buried alive. If you and I get buried alive, we can't push through the dirt and get out. But you take this teeny, tiny, little seed. It's the power of God. And it can push up through the soil, often even soil that's hard. And it can grow upward in people's hearts and produce fruit. That is the power of the seed. And Jesus wants his disciples to get that. This seed is amazing. And some people's hearts will receive it and they will be forever changed. Another applicational thought would be to take heart, weary farmer. It's easy to look at all the soils that never take the seed and miss the fact that some do. People are entering the kingdom of God and people will continue to enter the kingdom of God. How do we know that? Jesus told us. Lots of people are going to reject it. But there will be people who will receive it. I do not think that this parable was meant to discourage us. And at times, what's going on in the kingdom may look insignificant, but the harvest is massive. And Jesus is going to demonstrate that in a future parable. But I think we ought to take heart. Just keep sowing the seed. Just keep sowing it. And also, I think we should all consider, each one here should consider that you are one of these types of soil. And you need to answer this question, which one is it? Are you one of the first three soils? All three of those soils, do you know what's happening? You're hearing Jesus, but you're not really hearing Jesus. Have you received the gospel? Have you had ears to hear that Jesus Christ is the king of the kingdom? that he is God and that he is Lord and that what the king demands is that you bow and that you repent, that you confess your sin to the king and you repent and you believe the gospel that he is the king and he is the way by which you enter the kingdom. The king, Jesus himself, as Mark's gospel goes on, he is the very one who's going to die on the cross for people's sin. To pay the price for their sin. To satisfy the wrath of God. 
and rise from the grave uh, to, to life and bring other people into the kingdom with him. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. Jesus is, is, is Lord and King of the kingdom. Is he your Lord? If you have ears to hear, do you know what can happen? The very thing that is at the end of verse 12, you can turn and be forgiven. If you have ears to hear Jesus, that he is the king of the kingdom, then you can turn to him from your sin and he will forgive you. Maybe all, all, all that needs to happen for you is you just need to say, God, will you forgive me? Jesus, will you save me? I can't enter the kingdom. I, I'm a sinner. Please save me. And if you're the fourth type of soil, to what degree are you producing fruit? You've, you've trusted Christ. Are you fruit bearing? That depends on how well you continue to listen to the words of Jesus. Because once you hear Jesus, you have to continue hearing Jesus in order to grow. So ask for his help to hear, understand, and grow. Uh, just like we need God's help to receive uh, the message of the gospel at all, we need his help to continue to hear it and to continue to grow. Some people will truly hear the good news of the kingdom and believe, and their lives will change, and they will change, and they will change, and they will change, and they will change. And by the grace of God, that can be you. Will you bow with me at this time as we close in prayer?